episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be reading chapters 32 through 34 of the book of Genesis. Chapter 32. As Jacob started on his way again, angels of God came to meet him. When Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, This is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim. Jacob sends gifts to Esau. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Adam. He told them, Give this message to my master Esau. Humble this message. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I have been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks, and sheep, and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, We met your brother Esau, and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought, if Esau meets one group and attacks it, Perhaps the other group can escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and unfaithfulness and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except the walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me, along with my wives and children. But you promised me, I will surely treat you kindly, and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to different servants. Then he told his servant, Go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions to the man leading the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask, Whose servants are you? Where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply, They belong to your servant Jacob, and they are a gift from his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen and to all who followed behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent that night in the camp. Jacob wrestles with God.
During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he torched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. So here in chapter 32, uh, specifically in verse 3, 20 years prior to these events, Jacob had run away from Esau, afraid for his life. Jacob had no way of knowing whether his brother had let go of his old wounds and resentments. Since he did not know, he had to make elaborate preparations for reestablishing contact. Jacob's example in this chapter gives helpful hints to those of us seeking reconciliation with people we have hurt in the past. Chapter 33 Jacob and Esau make peace. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him threw his arms around his neck and kissed them, and they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children of God, children God had graciously given to me, your servant. Jacob replied, Then the servant wives came from with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed before him. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? Esau asked. Jacob replied, They are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty. Esau answered, Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, No. If I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, you can see, my Lord, that some of the children are very young, and the flocks and herds have their young too. 
If they are driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. I will meet you at Seir. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of the men to guide and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you've received my warmly, me warmly, my lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir that same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Succoth. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place was named Succoth, which means shelters. Later, having traveled all the way from Paranaram, Jacob arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. There he set up camp outside the town. Jacob bought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And there he built an altar and named it El Olehe, Israel. Here in uh, chapter 33, we see that although Esau does seem genuinely delighted to see his long-lost brother, we can only speculate about his true feelings. This happy reunion certainly didn't signal the end of the brothers' feud. Conflict between the families continued throughout Old Testament times. The book of Obadiah records the joy that Esau's descendants, the Edomites, expressed over the Israelites' defeat. Obadiah, an Israelite, also joyfully announced the doom of Edom. Even in the New Testament, the hated family of Harad traced its lineage back to Esau. Some conflicts are not easily resolved, but if they are left unresolved, they can become a burden to generations far in the future. Chapter 34 Revenge Against Shechem One day, Dina, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of these young women who lived in the area, but when the local prince, Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, saw Dina, he seized her and raped her. But then he fell in love with her, and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to his father, Hamor, give me this young girl. I want to marry her. Soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter, Dina, but since his sons were out in the fields herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamur, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hamur tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons, and we will give our daughters for your sons, and you may live among us. The land is open to you. Settle here and trade with us, and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dina's father, brothers. Please be kind to me. 
and let me marry her. He begged, I will give you whatever you ask, no matter what dowry or gift you demand. I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister Dina, Jacob's sons responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father, Amor. They said to them, We couldn't possibly allow this. Because you're not circumcised, it would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here is a solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Hamur and the son Shechem agreed to their proposal. Shechem wasted no time to act on his request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Shechem was a knightly, was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father Hamur to present his proposal to the leaders at the town gate. These men are our friends, they said. Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take our daughters as wives and let them marry ours, but they will consider staying here and becoming one people with us only if all of our men are circumcised, just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come. Let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed with Hamur and Shechem, and every male in town in the town was circumcised. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hamor and his son Shechem, they killed them with their swords, then took Dina from Shechem's house and returned to their Shechem. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's sons arrived, finding the men slaughtered. They plundered the town because their sister had been defiled there. They seized all the flocks and herds and donkeys, everything they could lay their hands on, both inside and both in both inside the town. and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took all their little children and wives and led them away as captives. Afterward, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me. You have made me stink among all the people of this land. Among all the Canaanites and Perizzites, we are so, so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined, and my entire household will be wiped out. But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They retorted angrily. So we're in chapter 34. The, the act of rape is always hideous in itself, but the consequences are usually just as heartbreaking in this occurrence. Rape led to deception and ultimately to murder. Sinful patterns and the acts that follow and the acts that flow out of them feed cycles of deepening destruction and hurt. Someone has to choose to break the cycle and begin the process of spiritual renewal and healing.
verses 20 through 31, you must remember that vengeance belongs to God. And when an individual takes revenge, no matter how just the cause may be, there usually are serious consequences. Because of their deception and slaughter of the Hivites, Jacob and his family became extremely unpopular with their neighbors. Because we, because they were a small clan at this point, such a situation presented them with grave danger. Revenge is extremely counterproductive. It only breaks down the reconciliation process that is necessary for personal growth and healthy relationships. That's our reading for today. And today in Genesis chapters 32 through 34, we see that... We saw that Jacob feared how things will go if he encounters his brother on their trip to Canaan. He gets word that Esau is coming and has 400 guys with him. Jacob divides things so that if Esau attacks, he can't take it all. He may be driven by fear, but in chapter 32 verse 9, Jacob addresses God by his name. For the first time, he's humbled and praises God for providing in the midst of fearing the worst. He recalls God's words and appeals to him with reminders of his promises. He sends a present ahead to Esau to appease him, then sends his wives and kids ahead of him and spends the night alone. During the night, he wrestles with God, and this doesn't appear to be a metaphor or a vision mainly because he leaves with an injury. This is another theophany, an appearance of God on earth. They wrestle all night, and as the sun is rising, Jacob tells him he won't let go until he blesses him. He replies, what is your name? God always asks questions he knows the answers to. Those are literally the only kinds of questions God can ask. The man's response clues us in that He's God. First, he affirms that Jacob not only wrestled with men, but also with God. And second, he changes God, Jacob's name, which is a big God move. Sometimes when God is revealing a new assignment or direction for someone's life, he renames them. Jacob is called Israel. It's the first time we see this word in scripture. The name eventually refers not only to this one man, but to his descendants too. Jacob leaves, renamed and limping. This is his moment of transformation, encountering God face to face like his dad and granddad did. His faith is becoming his own. They eventually run into Esau, who seems excited to see him. Their nice chat makes it hard to tell whether they're being kind or they still don't trust each other. Jacob's position becomes clear when he agrees to allow Esau when he agrees to follow Esau, but then goes a different direction. Esau goes south, and Jacob goes west toward Canaan. He follows God, not Esau. He buys land and commemorates the occasion, but for the first time, he doesn't build a pillar. He builds an altar, not a Canaanite memorial, not a pagan ritual, an altar. 
he names it God, the God of Israel, honoring the God who drew near to him, wrestled with him, injured him, and protected him all at once. What happens next is horrific. Dina, Jacob's only daughter, is enchanted with the pagan land of Shechem. A guy named Shechem lives there, and his dad has a lot of status. Shechem falls in love with Dina, or at least her appearance, and rapes her. He wants to marry her and has his dad negotiate with Jacob. Jacob and his sons are outraged, and rightly so. Rape is taken seriously among their people, but Jacob sits by passively while his sons make a plan. They do it in much the same way Jacob makes plans, which is to say, sneakily. They plan to kill all the men of Shechem in retaliation. They say the men all have to be circumcised, a kind of forced false conversion. Shechem and his dad agree on behalf of everyone in town. After the men are circumcised, Simeon and Levi, two of Dina's four brothers in their blended family, enter the town, kill all the males and rescue Dina. Jacob disapproves, but mostly because he fears retaliation. God never endorses their actions. In fact, we'll see more about God's response to this later. God changes hearts through difficult circumstances are often his tool of choice. But often, that's the most effective tool. He uses a scary situation to humble Jacob when he's about to see Esau. When Jacob is humbled and alone, God draws near to him, wrestles with him, renames him, and changes him. And Jacob goes from being the man who erects pillars to the man who builds altars. But rest assured, he's still at work in progress. He still lies and manipulates, and even his response to his slaughter is still self-focused. But God never gives up on him. God will complete the work he started in him. And it seems like Jacob is starting to want to grow in that direction, to become the new man with his new name, the man whose actions reveal his trust in God, the man who knows that he's where the joy is. our reading for today. I'm just going to leave you all with a daily devotional for the day. Anxiety is a result of envisioning the future without me. So the best defense against worry is staying in communication with me. When you turn your thoughts towards me, you can think much more positively. Remember to listen as well as to speak making your thoughts a dialogue with me. If you must consider upcoming events, follow these rules. Number one, do not linger in the future because anxiety sprout up like mushrooms when you want, when you wander there. And two, remember the promise of my continual presence. Include me in any imagery that comes to mind. This mental discipline does not come easily because you are accustomed to being God of your own fantasies. However, the reality of my presence is with you, now and forevermore, outshines any fantasy you could ever imagine. Amen. Thank you all for listening to the Bible podcast, and I hope you all have a 
beautiful and blessed day.